Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. Our mission is simple, to see people, love people, enrich people, and launch people. We believe that not only is this mission statement for our church, but God's progression of faith in your life as well. We pray today's message is an encouragement for you to shine a light in your home and in your city. Hey, I am so thankful that you are here today. My name is Drew. If this is your first time, I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm so thankful that we get to worship together and that we get to lean into God's word together as well. And all we're going to do, let me just uh, just jump right into our message today, is that if this is your first time or it's been a while, um, we're in a theme. It's called Simple Gospel. Thank you, John Wayne. And all we're doing is we are just really doing a deep dive into some of the foundational truths of God's word and of our faith. And if you've grown up in church all your life, this is a wonderful time to re-examine and be reminded of these beautiful truths. And if it's been a while, or if you did not have a background in faith, this is, these are foundational building blocks that you can stake your life, your home, and everything that matters to you on. And so, uh, right before I dive in, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, our, my notes are on the YouVersion Bible app, and it's a free app that you can follow along with under events, and would love to have you do so, not only for today, but for this week too. But let's get into this one scripture today, and then we'll get into the message. So it's found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and this is what we see. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Kim and I, this week, we started a brand new kind of series that we're watching on Netflix. And it's pretty cool. It's called The Movies That Made Us. Is, is anybody familiar with it? Um, anybody? A couple people? The Movies That Made Us. It's pretty cool because what they're doing, there's two seasons now, and they've gone back and they're looking at the movies that we grew up with. Uh, the majority of them are in the, at least the ones that I've seen, are the ones that are the kind of the movies from the 80s and 90s, those classic movies that uh, just became uh, symbolic and iconic of those decades. And they're, they're not just, they're not necessarily showing the movie, but in each episode, they're going back and they are looking at the kind of behind the scenes, how it was made to tell the story of how those things movies came to life and became such a part of our uh, cultural um, cultural fiber our fabric excuse me and uh, and and it's pretty fascinating because again you know uh, every movie uh, every show that we saw is a is a movie that I'm familiar with but I am fascinated to be able to go back and see some of the things that I didn't know that uh, really caused those screens and, and those movies to, to come to life. And, you know, for example, uh, we watched one this week on the making of Pretty Woman. And what I did not realize is that when the script was risen, was written for Pretty Woman, it wasn't called Pretty Woman. It was actually called 3000. I mean, that, that's almost like an outcast song. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and, and, and but it, it, it literally was like 3000. And 
how Julia Roberts was very much an unknown, and there was all these other actresses that were considered for this role, and just I'm like, wow, and how uh, how the way it was it was filmed by Gary Marshall is that he would do each take like three times, but in three different ways. He would go, I want you to do this scene now, do it normal, do it funny, do it serious, and then he would go back after all these takes, and he would kind of put it all together, and it was really, really fascinating, and I remember us watching the one about uh, Dirty Dancing, and that Dirty Dancing, you know, it, uh, uh, it, it very much almost didn't happen because they could not get a major studio to produce it. Nobody wanted to pick up the script, and finally it took a, uh, took a company, unknown company called Vespar, uh, to pick it up. And when they did, um, you know, they actually had to work through the two leading actors uh, kind of working out some differences because Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze, they had actually, you know, worked together before in a previous film and didn't like each other. And so, you know, like, like the, the producers, they had to kind of say, look, why don't y'all, you know, but before we start filming, are y'all going to be able to work together? And it took Patrick Swayze and it took Jennifer Grey actually going into a room before filming ever started and kind of clearing the air before they came out and they're like, yeah, we're good. We can do this. I had no idea that Forrest Gump was actually a book before it was ever a movie. And in the book, Forrest Gump, you know, not only goes to the Vietnam War, but he also goes to space and all these other things. And they, they, they had to take the good parts of this book and trim it down to where it was actually something that could be, that could be produced. And all the while, uh, the, the, the studio that picked it up, you know, spent the entire time trying to say, you can't do that scene you know, uh, Tom Hanks, you can't talk in that kind of voice and everything else. And finally, it took a point where Tom Hanks and, and, uh, and the director had to front so much of the money uh, for the production of the film because the studio said, we don't have the money for that. I mean, just the behind-the-scenes things for the most iconic movies. I didn't even realize this one either, Jurassic Park, the first one. You know, the famous T-Rex scene where he kind of, the T-Rex comes out and begins to kind of walk after the Jeep and everything else. You know, the original plan for that scene was to use stop motion animation, almost like claymation. And it took a unknown uh, a computer artist to kind of, you know, uh, develop this technique where you could actually create movable objects and graphics through a computer. Whoa, what a revolutionary concept at the time. And he actually had to go in and say, no, 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 we don't have to use little, little stop motion, clay motion where you know every single step we have to stop it and frame it and take it, stop it, frame it, take it. We can actually use a computer to show a moving dinosaur. And I mean, just fascinating stuff behind the scenes about how something is made. Because, you know, when I think about those movies, I think about me being able to see the finished product and having no idea until this Netflix series came out, no idea that behind the scenes of this finished product was years and layers and all kind of moving parts and development that went on that nobody really could see. But then we get to the finished product and we go, that's amazing. And I wonder sometimes when we talk about our faith, 
and we talk about spiritual maturity, and we talk about just growing up and growing closer to Jesus, you know, one of the things is that it's so easy to look at a finished product, and we can see that person, and we can say, wow, look how that person overcame that alcohol addiction. We'll see the finished product of Someone who, who said, who maybe, wow, look at them. They waited on God's best and, you know, God gave them God's best for a, for a, for a marriage partner. And wow, look at that finished product. We can see that business owner who's wanting to, um, who's wanting to run their business God's way. And we can see the finished product and we can say, wow, look at that. Look, look at, man, look at how, uh, what they're able to produce. And we, we can see the finished product and we can see the end result. And we can say, that is simply amazing. But just like the movies that I just mentioned, we can sometimes take for granted and not even see all the hard work and all the steps that went into making that finished product. And in our culture, we love celebrating those who crossed the finish line. But we are nowhere near the weeks and months and years and blood and sweat and tears and prayer that it takes to actually run the marathon to get to the finish line. And if we're not careful, we can look at others in their marriages, in their parenting, in their work life, and in their freedoms, we can look at those who have crossed the finish line and say, wow, look at what they did, and then we're not quite there yet. And we can say, I'm not where they are. I guess there's something wrong with me. I'm quit. Today's message is... I believe one of the most foundational things that we need to take a hold of in order to understand growth. And today's message is called Simple Gospel Growth Track. The scripture that we just read laid out an end result, mature and complete, lacking nothing. Woo! Yeah! I'll take that. Come on! I don't know if anybody in this room who wouldn't want to have mature, complete, and lacking nothing as part of your resume for almost any part of your life. There's no one that will turn that down. There's no one who will say, I don't want that. There's no one who will reject those promises. We want it. But yet we struggle to get it. And we fight discouragement when we don't feel like it comes fast enough. And so today's message is not to get us to look at the end product. Let's go behind the scenes. Let's look at how God longs for us and works with us to help us get to maturity and completion because there are steps. We just looked at them. We just need to see it play out in everyday life. Let's take a look. Y'all ready? You good? Y'all with me? You good? All right. Four steps. Here's the first one. Step one is called the trial. Step one is the trial. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face many trials of many kinds. 
This word trial, if you look at the original word, it's experiment or temptation. And see, so often we can fall under the trap and we can believe the lie that our lives are just coincidences. They're made made up of just a, a ton of coincidences and we will never see the things that we walk through and the things that we face for what they are, which is a purposeful experiment. Our lives are not just cosmic entities that things may just happen. No, God, not only did he design us, but he is directing our paths and he will turn any circumstance in any any situation into an experiment, not just a coincidence, but an actual purposeful moment if we will allow ourselves the perspective. Because it says that we're going to face many trials, many experiments, many temptations of many kinds. That means our lives are always viewed through the lens of this is a purposeful moment that God wants to do something with. Because see, whether we are single or whether we are married, there's a different kind of of temptation and experiment and trial that goes on whether you are single and dealing with loneliness and waiting for God's best or whether you are married and you believe that's God's best but you are walking through what it truly means to live out the truth of two people becoming one flesh under God. They are different experiments but both are equally valuable. There is a far different, but just as equally valuable when your kids are in diapers and when they are grown and can talk back. It's a different kind of experiment. It's a different type of trial. There's a different kind of trial and experiment whether you have money in the account or whether you do not. But both Sets of experiences, both sides of every coin come with it, dripping with opportunity. But how many times can we fall under the delusion and lie that if only we could get to a certain place in life, then we will believe that God's in it. But this whole point is that we have to see that God is in every moment of our lives and that every moment is dripping with possibilities. We're not waiting for God to do something and then we will believe. No, God is already doing something even if we are still waiting on the fulfillment of what he's promised. And if we're waiting for a new job, or whether we have the job of our dreams. It's all a test. It's all a trial. It's all an experiment. God is working something. If we will just take a moment and acknowledge him in it. Well, Drew, what if the trial I'm facing facing right now is tough and it hurts? But see, God will even take that and it's not wasted. It's not for nothing that he will do something good in it. And that's why step one, we have to have the perspective of the trial. But step two, we have to see it for what it is as a test. He said this, he said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds 
For you know that the testing of your faith, there's purpose in the trials that we face. And it is there so that way we can test our faith because we know this. It's possible to know something in theory and then have to walk it out in practicality. And those are two different things. How many people are either in or remember the math classes where, yeah, it was one thing to learn, you know, how to solve for X in an algebraic equation. You could do that like that. But then all of a sudden, the teacher throws in at the end the word problem where it's Susie has X amount of apples and she's selling them for so-and-so and the ultimate price is $15. How many apples does she have? And you, have to, you actually have to apply it and put it into a real-world scenario. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a little bit harder, doesn't it? Because, see, the trials exist for one reason, The experiments exist for one reason. It exists so that way we can go and make the transition from something that I ascend mentally about what I think I know about God to an actual practical use. I have experienced this. For those who've been married over one year, you ever talk to that young, engaged couple And they think they know what marriage is about. And not that you look down at your nose at them, but you're going, hey, there's some, look, keep the dreams alive, but there's some things that you can learn too. See, there is a difference going from head knowledge to actual use. But you know what? In order to do that, in order to show that, in order so that way we could, instead of saying, I think I know what God can do to know I've walked this out. God introduces and uses experiments and tests and trials to test our faith. The book of Hebrews says it like this. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are yet unseen. And the only way that we have our faith tested to grow is through trials. Because see, yeah, look, I, I I can quote all day long. I call all day long that God will grant the desires of our hearts. That's scripture, y'all. God will grant you the desires of our heart. But it's until you are single waiting on God's best and you've got not God's best in front of you and you're wondering, do I settle or do I hold on to his promise? That's where our faith is tested. That's where the good stuff is. Because that's when you say, God, I would rather be single than to compromise. And I'm going to hold on to what you have for me right now. See, that's where your faith is tested. That's where the rubber meets the road. We can, we can say all day long that God directs the paths we, we, can quote the, we can quote the scriptures and Proverbs that said, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will direct your paths. But when we are sincerely torn about what college to go to or apply for or to stay at home, that's when we have to put that into practice. God, I'm going to trust that you know more than I do. I'm going to look and let you decide. 
Yeah, we can, we can quote the scripture all day long. That God is near to the brokenhearted. And then we walk through something that breaks our hearts. And at that point, we go from head knowledge to, God, are you really there for me right now? And I'll tell you, these tests, they're not to embarrass us. They're not to get us frustrated or angry. They exist because what God longs, what he really wants, is that we would see him and experience him for who he is in all circumstances. And it's not a gotcha moment. But the fact that he is that good, that he would take everything that we could ever walk through and he would turn it into something for his glory and our good and that we could experience him in all seasons, what God does that? What God would give those promises? What God would allow that? And how would our faith change? How would our walk change if we truly begin to see Everything that we walk through through the lens of there's purpose in it, and God, would you reveal to me who you are in it? But see, here's the results. Step three, we could talk about the test, but there's a specific purpose, and that is we will get results, and it says produces perseverance. So by the testing of your faith, the outcome is that it will produce perseverance. Wait a minute. I thought that the whole point of my faith in my life was that when I go through something, it's the end goal. I thought the end goal was to get what I was praying for. If I'm single, I thought that the end goal was so that way I cannot be single. If I'm bitter, I thought that the end goal was for me to not be bitter anymore. If I'm broke, I thought that the end goal was to not be broke anymore. And we can spend an entire lifetime looking for the end result of God doing something. Instead, what God wants to do is to produce something in us. Because the question is not, if, is God going to be faithful? God's word says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Faithful, when God gives a promise, when he gives himself on who he is, he cannot fail and he cannot lie. So he's going to be faithful. He's going to fulfill his promise. But what he really wants is for us to develop and grow while we're waiting for him to fulfill his promise. Because did you realize that it is possible to walk in the promises of God and see his faithfulness but to miss the lessons along the way and to never grow. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Go to the book of Exodus and see how the promises of God came to fruition when God miraculously set an entire nation free from captivity and they are walking into the promised land. They're heading in that direction. And along the way, we see this incredible pattern of them walking to a test, God being faithful, the people complaining and questioning and failing the test, 
And then the pattern repeated again and again and again. They go, they go to the Red Sea. How are we going to cross it? The entire nation, it'd be better if we just went back into slavery. He brought us out here just to die. Oh, my gosh. God is faithful, parts the Red Sea. They cross over. God was true, but the people didn't learn. They come to a place with bitter water. How are we going to drink healthy, clean water if only we could go back? God, you've led us out here to be abandoned and to die. And God cleans and purifies the water. He is faithful. The people never learned the lesson. And the pattern continued and repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what God did? He provided for their needs, but he continued to allow the test to be coming up uh, to, to come up to the point that he said, you know what? This faithless generation is going to have to die off. And he allowed that entire people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before they ever crossed over into the promised land he had for them. And one of the saddest things is when you see someone who God has provided for over and over and over and over again, but yet they never grew. They never stretched. They never allowed God to work maturity and perseverance in them. And God's faithful, but he loves us enough to where if we continue to fail the test over and over and over again, he's not going to say, Sorry. See, this is what God wants. It's not about the thing that we're praying for, waiting for, believing for. What it's about is, God, how can I, in this moment, in this season, how can I pass this test? Because he wants perseverance. You know what perseverance is? It's the ability to handle more weight. <laughs> That's all it is. We've watched the Olympics for two weeks. And all we saw was were athletes who were giving us examples of perseverance. An athlete who could run two miles, eight miles, a marathon. Well, they started somewhere. Before they could run two or three, four miles, 13.1 miles, whatever that is, before they could do that, they had to start somewhere. They had to start at mile one. They had to start at mile two. Before an athlete could ever lift weight like they did, and like they can, they had to start at a lower place. And some of the most beautiful moments in our faith is when we can look back and we can say, you know what? This time last year, I can handle more weight than what I thought. The things that used to bother me don't bother anymore, me anymore. The things that used to rob me of my sleep do not rob me of my sleep anymore. The things that used to stress me out and would cause division and tension between me and my spouse, God has grown me to the point that I'm able to handle it, and my home is full of peace now. What used to shake and rattle me doesn't anymore. That's the good stuff. That's the growth. That's the perseverance. That's the moments where you go, God, it wasn't about the goal that I thought I was praying for. It was about what you were doing in me along. And there are people in this room, there may be people who are watching online this week 
if you will just hold on and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do in me? What is this test? What is this experiment? What is this trial doing in me that you're trying to expose? Because weight not only builds muscle, weight also exposes weakness, doesn't it? Woo! Mm, 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 mm. Come on, y'all. Hey, weight not only builds weight and, and builds strength and muscle, but it also exposes weaknesses. And sometimes God will, love, God will love us enough not to harm us, but he'll allow circumstance to not expose him, but to expose us. Because he knows our hearts better than we even know ourselves. And he's trying to shore up things. There are people, there's someone in this room, you are waiting and praying for some sort of promotion right now, your promotion. And it hadn't happened yet. But it's because God is trying to strengthen you. So that way, when you do get the promotion, you're ready for it. Perseverance. And he brings it about through the everyday trials, experiments, and testing that come in our lives. Step four, the finish. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance, let weight upon weight upon weight upon weight and upon weight and strength and strength upon strength upon strength upon strength begin to finish its work. You would think that if we're putting weight upon weight upon weight upon weight upon our lives, that there would eventually come a time where it crushes us. But the opposite is actually true. Because it said, let perseverance finish its work so that way you may be mature and complete. One of the things God longs for us is as he matures us, as he grows us, as he brings and uses situations in our lives to mature us, to build endurance and perseverance in us, the end goal is not to crush us. The end goal is so that way we may be free. The end goal is so that way we may be strong enough and that we would cut out some dead weight. The end goal is so that way we may look and we may say, God, I'm free now. This is what he longs for our lives. There is an end goal that we can get to a point where in our marriage, we don't have to have a perfect marriage, but there can be maturity. There can be some completeness. So that way we can say, you know what, even if the storms come and even if things aren't perfect, I can still walk in freedom today. And how many times are we looking for our, our partner to change, our spouse to change, when God, he's wanting to build maturity in us? There can be a point in our marriage, and I'm sorry, there can be a point in our parent, in our parenting where we can Build and build and grow and grow and grow. And there can be a level of freedom that can inspire even our children. Mom, Dad, how'd you get there? I want what you have. How did you get there? There can be a point where the addictions and the mindsets and the strongholds that have been in the past just don't hold us anymore. 
We don't know how we've grown past it. We don't know exactly what moment that it happened, but step by step, circumstance by circumstance, trial by trial, testing by testing, we just got to the point that we just walked out of it. And this is what God longs for us. God's desire for our lives isn't that we would be physically wealthy or naturally wealthy. It was so that way we could know what it's like to be mature and complete. And that is something, whether we have money or not, that is worth so much more. And we live in a society that is full of fear, that is full of just a lack of hope. And what it needs more than ever is a people who are mature and complete, lacking nothing. And that's the end goal. But are we willing to start at step one? Are we willing to walk out of this place and the very things that the very things that we are facing to go, wait a minute, this didn't happen. This is not just happening by coincidence. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to expose in me? Yesterday, I had a moment where I had to do some pruning on some flowers. We're in a month where rad groups are not happening. It's It's a rest month for Radiant. And normally, on Monday nights, we have quite a few people that call the winner's rad group their home. And there's others throughout the week, too, which are fantastic. But... In a normal week, very little time to do some of the yard, deep scrubbing, deep cleaning, deep cutting, deep pruning. It's just difficult on a normal week. And so this month, I'm doing a lot of little bitty projects in preparation for when we kick back off ride groups in September. So yesterday, I uh, had some cleaning up around the garage that I had to get done. I needed to run some water hoses uh, to some places that needed some water. And I also had some tropical hibiscus and uh, some begonias that needed pruning. Uh, the tropical hibiscus, they had already bloomed about, about a month ago, beautiful. And now just were left to like one bloom and didn't have a whole lot. There were some canna lilies that I had that had bloomed and now those blooms were gone. And I knew I just had to make room for more. And the, the only way I can make room for more is by getting my pruning shears and going out and pruning everything down so that way it can make room for more growth. And, you know, the mistake I made is that I didn't necessarily tell my family this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. And so when all of a sudden I'm pruning all these things and I'm pruning, you know, uh, uh, all my tropical hibiscus, which normally get blooms about this big, I mean, just as big as your face, Walk out and Maddie goes, oh, Dad, you killed all the flowers. No, I didn't, baby girl, I didn't. And then Davis walked out and he saw it too. He goes, Dad, what'd you do? No, because see, every place that I pruned, I pruned specifically in places that had already bloomed there was nothing else that was going to come from that branch. And I cut it right at the point to where the dead weight could be gone so that way the new blooms could come up. And I 
guarantee in about two or three weeks is going to be popping. But I saw where these groups of flowers, they were carrying a lot of dead weight. And it was time to love them enough to cut on them a little bit. And isn't that what God does in our lives? Isn't this what maturity looks like? God longs for our lives to bloom and to grow. God longs for our lives to reflect his glory in everything that we do and every place that we go. But the way that he brings that about is not through magically snapping fingers. There's, there's, there's some level of maturity that we just can't go to church and sing a song and it just happens. Sometimes he's got to come in and he's got to cut a little bit here. He's got to remove some dead weight there. He's got to place a little weight on us that we've never thought that we could handle, but he knows us better than we know ourselves. And here's the thing. After I cut all of those flowers down, you know the very next thing that I did? I went and got some miracle Grow, loaded it up, and every place that I cut and pruned, I fertilized it to help accelerate the next round of growth. This is what God does. There's some people in this room, you have faced the same exam over and over and over and over again. It's time to break that pattern and it's time for you to hold on to everything that he is and it's time for you to cling on to him and not let go. It's time to pass the test. There are some, it's time to stop making excuses for why you don't pass the test. There are some, it's time for you to stop blaming others for why you don't pass the test. There's some, you need to stop blaming God. He's going to get you through it. Because he knows the end goal that's in mind. If we can just trust him. Get you to stand, please, as we close. And right where you're at, right as you stand, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment of concentration and just for a moment of privacy, right where you're at. Just curious. No one's looking around, but just as, just as a show of, of acknowledgement, who here, and I'm going first, who here has an exam you're taking? <laughs> Who here has a trial that you're going through? And it, who here is walking through some temptation or an experiment? Who here is willing to say, God, you're going to get me through it and you're going to build perseverance in it? That's you. Would you pray with me? as we put our faith into the God who gives the exam and is the cheat code to help us finish it. If only we will submit. God, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. In these next couple of moments, Father, as we lift up your name through song, 
What we commit, Jesus, is that every exam that comes our way, God, we're going to see it for what it is, this purposeful instruction. God, your word is so true. You will not place more on us than what we can bear. What we ask, Jesus, help us see you in it. Help us build our faith. Jesus, as you test us, don't allow us. Don't allow us to walk away. Give us perspective. Encourage us today. Help us see your heart. Reveal yourself. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We thank you for the cross where grace is always freely given for those who fail a test, for those who need to retake an exam. That's where the grace to get up and try again comes from, is the cross, Jesus, and your blood that was spilled for the sin of mankind on it. One more time, we put our faith in you and in that act. We ask that you would continue to grow us. And we love you. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We are here for you in every step of faith you may take. To connect with us, visit our website at radianmacon.com or online through Facebook and Instagram through searching the handle at Radiant Macon. For further details about Jesus, please visit our website radiantmacon.com slash Jesus. God bless.